I've got a snippy pants presidential candidate. Ooh, I've got a burning desire. Welcome to Date Fight. It's the podcast that takes great moments that occurred on this date in history and pitches them against each other. He's Date Yap, I'm Nat Tapley, and together we have carefully removed two ramekins full of creme brulee from the oven of history and are cracking the sugary shells to see what entertainment lies beneath. And can I say thank you for not using a blowtorch that just puts white spirit all over the top and doing it properly in the oven? Yeah. I'm going to take you to... We are really, really pedantic about the weirdest things on this podcast. I'm going to take you to... The right things. The right things. The right things, yeah. What things go in a dishwasher and how you make creme brulee. Um, I'm going to take you back to the 7th of February, 1497. Can I just break in? I'm sorry, I know we're, you know, on borrowed time, but... (laughs) Yeah. Do you put bowls in the bottom or the top? Bowls? Oh, in the new one, they go in the top because the top has the uh, space rack for them. Of yeah. course they go in the top. Bowls have always yeah. gone in the top. It's just that on our sister podcast, not today, thank you, I'm just, I'm not... Jem says he takes all the bowls out from the top that his wife puts there and puts them in the bottom. No, 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 no. They're too small for the bottom. The, the prongs are too long at the bottom. I know! The prongs are way too long, Jem. Jem, come on. Sorry, do carry on. <laughs> I've lost the will to go on. Anyway, 1497, it's the bonfire of the vanities. When followers of Father Girolamo Savonarola, I think that's exactly the way he said it. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> Paul took out cosmetics, mirrors, musical instruments, playing cards, books, clothes, anything that might imply or inspire desire in those who looked at it and threw it all into a big square in Florence and set fire to it. Anything that could tempt people to sin was burned on the 7th of February, 1497, in the Piazza della Signora in uh, Florence. In Florence. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Now, little bonfires of the bounties were quite common um, accompaniments to outdoor sermons by various people. Because obviously when someone says, well, this thing's sinful, people would go back to their house and grab it and then set fire to it. But this wasn't so much people voluntarily burning their things, because there were teams of people called weepers who supported Father Savonarola. Um, they used to go around taking stuff from people's houses and beating them up until they gave them all the things that might inspire desire, like nice clothes or cosmetics or any books, statues they didn't like, anything at all. That got burned. Um, Botticelli supported him. Botticelli supported him so much... Well, they say supported him. Maybe he just got beaten up by teams of weepers. Uh, but he supported him, so burned all of his own work that he had and lived as a pauper for the rest of his life because he believed so much. You are kidding nope, me. That's why there are very few Botticellis, because he set fire to them, because he believed in the teachings of Giralomo Savonarola. That's exactly how he said it. <laughs> are you exactly sure, it. you know, Botticelli wasn't just trying to drive up a bit of demand by Maybe. reducing supply? My early work's worth a lot more Sounds now. Sounds very suspicious to me, mate. Maybe he was just... Sounds to me like all these so-called environmentalists just want to take my rights away! <laughs> it would be nice if you could take on your mediocre work from once you were past your initial period of activity and just set fire to it. I mean... That's not a bad idea. If... if Mm. If the work I did existed in physical form, it would be such a huge bonfire and no one would care. 
<laughs> I'm burning everything. Yeah. Everything's this on fire. It. Guys, this <laughs> is all the recordings. Here's some sketch. Look at this. Yeah. It's a sketch about George Bush and Tony Blair being in bed with each other. Into the fu- <laughs> Here go all oh. my Radio 106 FM tapes from 1995. <laughs> Gone. It's Mr. Dalai Lama to the voice of Mr. Lover Lover to the tune of Mr. Lover Lover. That'll never be heard again. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> so Narola was excommunicated later in the year, um, and as a fitting punishment, the Pope had him hung on a cross on the square where he burned everything, and then set fire to the cross with him on it. Wow. Yeah. So that's the Bonfire of the Vanities, which gave the name to the book and subsequent film with... Tom Hanks and Bruce Willis and... No, not Bruce Willis. Bonfire Harder. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bonfire 2, Bonfireia. <laughs> Even vainer. Very good. I'm yes. going to take you to the 7th of February, 1839, mm. when Henry Clay somewhat snippily declares in the United States Senate, mm. I'd rather be right than president. Mm. I don't think that's how he said it. <laughs> Again, like your pronunciation yeah. of Vosola Rola Rola Rola, the same. Uh, this was actually all about slavery, yeah. of course. He was running to become president. He was going to run in the, ni- uh, the 1840 election mm-hmm. the following year and was basically an abolitionist and had a reasonable amount of support from abolitionists in the North. But he knew that if he was going to have any chance of actually becoming a runner as president, he was going to have to win a lot of votes from the South. So he thought, well, slavery is a hot topic. Yeah. I'll try and occupy the middle ground. (laughs) (laughs) Is permanently enslaving people removing their rights and liberty good or bad or he's the Tony Blair of slavery? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. What's the third way on slavery? It's the ultimate public-private partnership. Uh, So... Uh, According to a guy called Thomas Brown, Clay believed that the freed slaves would flood the North, complete with white labourers, and drive down their wages Mm. or the country. It would get convulsed by interracial warfare. And he just thought it would be the the end of the country. He thought there would be civil war. So he said, maybe just sort of leave it as, it. you know, it maybe... Maybe just, I don't know, leave it. And all of his supporters just face-palmed at that point and were like, oh, oh dude, mate, you absolutely blew this. <laughs> and he absolutely did. Yeah. He very much ended his career uh, with this speech uh, on this day in 1839, saying, I'd rather be right than president. And I feel like well, didn't Mitt... Just, that's just as well. Well, yes. Didn't Mitt Romney, he sort of almost said words to that effect this week, I think. Yes, he did. When he voted guilty of Donald Trump mm. and everyone was saying, you're supposed to be a team player, man. Yeah. And he said something about... Looking back to well, the fine I'd... example of Henry Clay in 1836, I'd rather be right than president. Exactly. Day to Charles Dickens, who wrote all those films that you like. <laughs> uh, 
Also, happy birthday to Hattie Jakes. Um, it was in all those films that you like. It was in all those films that you like. And I was going to talk about her work, but really I just keep getting distracted by the fact that she moved her lover into her house and then John LeMissouri had to sit there being grumpy whilst his wife and her lover were in the next bedroom. Um, wow. Happy birthday. Yeah. He moved out a couple of years later. He didn't want... But he let her say... He let her sue for divorce, claiming he'd been unfaithful so as not to ruin her reputation in the papers. That's very nice. Uh, very nice, John Lemizurier. Well done, you. Um, happy birthday to Ashton Kutcher, who's most best known probably for being half of a couple with a Demi Moore. Or a semi-Demi Moore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> happy death day to Anne Radcliffe, the pioneer of gothic fiction, um, who wrote The Mysteries of Udolfo and The Italian, uh, who was so besotted with her husband that the nicest thing she said about him ever was that he was her nearest relative. Um, wow. She didn't write any books for the last 26 years of her life, despite having been the highest paid author in the 1790s. Uh, if you like ghosts and spooky things and hate Catholics, read Savannah Radcliffe. Um, happy death day to Admiral Alexander Kolchak, who had originally been a polar explorer with the Russian Navy, but after the end of the uh, First World War, well, after the Russian Revolution, became the head of state. Most people think it was Lenin, but Lenin wasn't recognised. That government wasn't recognised by most of the rest of the world. So actually it was Admiral Kolchak who's first, well, he was Alexander Kolchak at the time, who on his first activity on being made supreme ruler of, the Soviet, of Russia was to promote himself to Admiral and then do nothing else and lose a civil war. So that's Admiral Kolchak, the head of state after the Russian Revolution, who you don't know existed. Also, happy death day to King Hussein of Jordan, who in 1956 brought in Jordan's first democratically elected government, but a few months later forced the government to resign, declared martial law, and banned political parties. That's King Hussein of Jordan. Round two. I'm going to take you back to the 7th of February, 1845. Ooh. And... You're big on the mid-19th century today. Yes, I am. Thank you very much. I'd rather you didn't... Yeah, all right. Personal. <laughs> <laughs> so a vase which had been made in the first century BC mm -hmm. and had been quietly minding its own business for some 2,000 years yeah. got smashed up in yeah. the British Museum. It was shattered into more than 80 pieces mm -hmm. when a drunk guy decided to go and visit... <laughs> And through a piece of stone, it was a sculpted stone exhibit at a glass cabinet, and it had this wow. treasured artifact in it. <laughs> it must be quite um, heavy. It's made of stone and inside a heavy glass. Cabinet. Yeah, no. So this, the 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 sculpture was made of stone that got lobbed. The vase was oh, oh, made of okay. I don't I don't know what. But uh, uh, thirty five years prior to that, the fourth Duke of Portland had loaned the vase to the British Museum because mm. well, safest houses in there. Yeah, best place for it. Yeah, uh, apparently this guy is called William Lloyd. He'd been drinking for, and I quote, several days. Nice. And was... Well, it's <laughs> like the 1990s. Yes, uh, <laughs> he was well intoxicated and he smashed it all up. He was oh, arrested yeah. and yeah. he was taken to court and charged with causing willful damage. But the lawyers said that the law under which he was being prosecuted only applied to the destruction of objects worth no more than five pounds. Right. So instead, what they said was, all right, then you're guilty of smashing a glass case <laughs> and, and we fine you three pounds. 
But it turned out this guy was actually not William Lloyd. He'd been living under that name in London, but he he'd gone missing, and his real name was William Mulcahy, and it was all mad. Anyway, the Duke of Portland didn't bring any action, any civil action, because uh, he didn't want Mulcahy's impover- impoverished family to suffer for an act of folly or madness, oh. which they could not control. So did he? They tried he, to. He was trying to smash yeah, the vase, or he was just trying to throw a statue without consequence. Do you think? Did he hate the vase? It was just off. It's, it was just off his head. Like it, it should have been a kebab at yeah. a bus window. Instead, it was a stone sculpture at a priceless vase. It should have been yes, a pair of shoes with the laces tied together over a <laughs> exactly onto the roof of a bus shelter. Uh, the British Museum, being s- smart people, of course, a uh, hundred yeah. years later decided they'd buy the vase outright then. Yeah, fair enough. Now it was, it was all smashed, smashed up, up and worthless. <laughs> Do you want it back to yeah. Portland? Here's piece one. Here's yeah. piece two. There are they'd, 78 more. Well, literally, they'd, they'd mixed up some flour and water in 1845 and tried to stick it back together, and it was terrible. <laughs> they tried again in 1948, and it was rotten. But then finally, in 1988, they put it back together, and apparently you, you, can, you cannot tell oh, really? there's any damage done. Yeah. Very well done to them. Well, I'm going to take you to the 7th of February, 1910, when Virginia Woolf and three other members of the Bloomsbury group committed <laughs> quite a funny hoax. <laughs> oh, here we go. They all dress up in fake beards, turbans, <laughs> blackface. Oh. Got two of their members to pretend to be themselves, and they went around pretending to be the Emperor of Algeria. <laughs> all, oh yes, I've heard about this. They taught themselves a bit of Swahili so they could speak uh, a bit of Swahili, which isn't anything to do with Algeria, by the way. Um, and they also put in the words <laughs> "bunga bunga" quite a lot. So essentially, they were speaking Swahili. Ooh, with whoa, whoa, bunga whoa, whoa, whoa. Bunga. Time out! Time! 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 Time out! <laughs> <laughs> How convincing do you think members of the Bloomsbury group with boot polish on their faces going around speaking bits of Swahili with Bunga Bunga are to governmental authorities? I would say to governmental authorities, very convincing, Nat. I would say very convincing. Indeed. To members of the Royal Navy, very, very convincing. They conned their way onto the battleship Dreadnought to inspect its armaments. That's right. (laughs) One of the sailors was heard to say, a rum lingo they speak as they passed. Uh, Bunga Bunga Bunga. Um... They'd sent a letter to prepare the visit in which they'd misspelt Kublai Khan and Abyssinia. Wow. Uh, sorry, Emperor of Abyssinia, not Algeria. What am I talking about? They're claiming the Emperor of Abyssinia. And they misspelled both in the letter. Um, and they were trying to uh, recreate the magic of a few years earlier when they'd done precisely the same hoax in Oxford by while pretending to be the Sultan of Zanzibar. <laughs> bunga, bunga! But it was a huge scandal because it proved the unreadiness of the British naval defences uh, just before the First World War and led to... Essentially, notice people being worried about German spies and spies of all kinds, and a huge build-up in naval capacity just well, in the run-up to the First World War. Then, actually, Nat, great. Is it great? You know, they actually served their country. Well, if they helped, you know, lock down the systems well, no, benignly, but, ultimately. But actually, if we felt less well prepared, there's an argument that we probably wouldn't have spent four years going to war with people if we would have been less confident that we were going to win. I don't know, and I don't care, but other people listening might do, and so they should go online and vote. If you, <laughs> yes, if you yeah. have an opinion. That's, uh, that's a monetizable commodity right there. <laughs> uh, go to twitter.com slash date underscore fight to vote. Or facebook.com forward slash date fight. Yes. And vote, vote, vote. Do, do, do. The weekend is coming. We will, of course, be here. Plus, we'll have yes. the results on Sunday of the whole week's mm. date fight with your votes having been counted, unlike certain other elections I could name. Yes. Actually, I couldn't. I don't really know no, anything about that. 
Good. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, have a good Friday night, but not so good that you don't manage to vote before midday tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.